Well, I've been looking forward to being with you all, and uh, so thanks so much for the invitation, Sam and Co. Uh, and first time for me that you've been in this building, and uh, what a great topic to speak about. It's uh, you know, how, how can it not be close to our hearts if we love God? You know, it's God, we want more of him, don't we? We want him to have more of us. So the topic I believe I've been given, and if it's the wrong one, too late, <laughs> is baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that, you know, if time allowed, it's a huge part of my life. It, it's the, the, when I was baptised in the Spirit, it was absolutely a tipping point for me. Um, so it, it's a very precious, precious subject. So what, what excites me about church, I'm, you know, it... Paul says that we are clay pots, we're clay jars. There's, there's nothing too special about a clay pot. You know, look at me. <laughs> there's nothing too special. But Paul says, but it's the container of a treasure within, and it's the treasure within. And, and I just love the way we encounter Jesus, who is the treasure, by his spirit. We encounter Jesus in the church. It can be through a smile, a prophetic word, an encouragement, the teaching. When I really connect with fellow believers, we could be having lunch together, and you, your hearts are joined, you're together, you're enjoying being together. I'm experiencing Jesus. You know, I, I go to a, a country, you know, Tristan, I've just got back from Warsaw, being with Kevin and Emma and the, uh, a group of pastors from Middle and Eastern Europe, and just being there, you, you're, we are encountering Jesus in his body. And that's what excites me. It's not programs, it's not buildings, it's not budgets, and all, it's, it's not all the administration. It's, it's when you capture the, the breath of God in your lives. What you can pray for in Tunbridge Wells, if you would, we, we are an aging town. We're, we're, we're becoming a bit of a, the, the, what do you call it, demographic? Is that the right word? Um, we're, we're becoming older, and the churches are becoming older. Now, I love old people because I am one now. <laughs> it comes with age, doesn't it? You're really appreciating age. Um, but it's the next generation. There's church after church in my town who do not have youth groups anymore. Don't, Sunday schools are empty. And, and I, I would love to see a real resurgence in the power of the Spirit. Young, young families, children, teens. It's not that we're bereft of them, but it's not where we once were. Is that, will that do, Sam? Yeah. So that's my quickie. So, baptism in the Holy Spirit. Birds were made for the air. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Fish were made for the sea. What a responsive, accurate <laughs> church you are. Um, I would say you and I were made for the Spirit of God. Paul tells us that the baptism in the Spirit is an earnest, a foretaste, a down payment on what we will receive at the resurrection. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, look, here's a bit of now, then now. And, and it, it is so wonderful being filled with the Spirit. Can you imagine what it would be like to be in a, like an ocean of undi undiluted bliss? in the presence of God one day. I don't think any of us have the slightest clue how wonderful glory is going to be. Mm. If we did know, we wouldn't sleep at night. Mm. We'd be so on our tiptoes. Oh, Jesus, come back today, please. And, and so, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is then now. It's heaven in my heart now. It's God now. So 
Here's my Trinitarian teaching for you in a nutshell. Jesus is the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit is the breath of God. Now, admittedly, that's very simplistic, but it, it will work for us this morning. Um, now, here's a, here's a very, again, a very brief word study, and I'm not doing this to try and sound clever, because you'll soon find out I'm not, but it, it is for purpose. The New Testament word, which is translated in your Bibles as spirit, is pneuma. Now, you knew that, didn't you? And that's where we get our word pneumatic from. Okay? And uh, it's translated word spirit or breath. It can be any of those equally accurately. Now the Old Testament word, which is the word I want to zone in on, is, uh, you could tell me, couldn't you? It's ruach. You've all heard of that, haven't you? Yeah. I know. It's like hallelujah. We all know some words, don't we? That's one of them. And, and it, again, it means exactly that. Wind, breath, or spirit. So that's easy to remember, isn't it? Wind. So anytime you read spirit, it could also be translated wind or breath. And we're going to be doing a bit of that. And it's an, I may say this wrong, an onomatopoeic or peic road of word, not road. I, I said I'd say it wrong. Onomatopoeic word. Okay, and you know what that means. It, it sounds like what it is. So like bang or crash. Uh, and on, so ruach, can you say it with me? Ruach. It, it's, it, last night, some of you heard a storm, uh, which, which was really exciting, quite like bombs going off overhead. But when you hear the wind, it's, it's, a, it's it sounds like what it is. And, and uh, wouldn't it be fun if the Holy Spirit blew in our midst like that this morning? We'd either be thrilled or we'd be scared stiff, I'm not sure. He is Yahweh's breath. Yahweh, the Old Testament name for God. He's the blast of God's liveliness, because God is a living God. Uh, he stirs up whatever he faces. You know, God the Spirit, he stirs us. Um, he brings new things into being. When the Spirit comes, he brings the new thing. Continually renewing. He moves history forward to that time I was alluding to earlier. He moves history forward to that glorious consummation and end when, when, when Jesus comes. Come, Lord Jesus. And of course, jumping right ahead to the, the end of the story, if you like, Jesus is the ultimate bearer of the Spirit. And of course, I used to think like Jesus Christ was like his first name and his last name. I'm David, I'm David King, that's my surname. But Jesus Christ, Christ isn't his surname, it means the anointed one. It, the, uh, Messiah, the Hebrew word, is exactly the same meaning, it's the anointed one. And, and Jesus is the anointed one, that's, that's the definition of who Jesus is. He's the bearer of the Holy Spirit. And his prophetic mission as our risen saviour is to be the giver and the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. That's his mission. You know, if you say, well, what, Jesus, what's your job description as the risen, ascended saviour? It is to be the giver, the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. So this is an important subject, isn't it? Yeah? And of course, when you're baptised in the Holy Spirit, it means that Christ the Anointed lives in me and through me. And, and, and it, what could be more wonderful than that? 
And throughout the book of Acts, this is just introduction before I get into a few verses. Throughout Acts, the book of Acts, disciples were usually baptized in the Holy Spirit, or you could translate that drenched in the Holy Spirit, because baptize is a Greek word, but it means to be drenched. Uh, and I like that word, don't you? Would you want to be drenched with the Holy Spirit this morning? Yes. Anyone else? Yes. Be drenched. I mean, if you're drenched in the Holy Spirit, nothing else matters. Nothing else equals it. Um, and it was, you, how did they get baptized in the Holy Spirit? Usually, not exclusively, but usually it was very simply, as you know, through the laying on of hands. And that usually took place immediately after water baptism. After they were drenched, but washed in water. So they were washed and then filled. And I think it's, a, it's another talk entirely, but I think it's a sad thing that we've replaced baptism and being filled with the Spirit with just, will you pray this prayer? And now you've become a Christian. We sort of replaced it with that. You know, if someone says to me, what must I do to be saved? What am I going to say to them? It's repent and be baptized, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know. That's another subject, isn't it, really? <laughs> but um, I want to begin at the beginning. In, in chapter 1 of Genesis, first book in the Bible, in just Genesis verse 1 and 2, you, you virtually know it by heart. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. Talking of the waters, great, just... It was just all watery darkness. Sort of, it was formless and empty. And it says, and the, in, in your Bible, it's the Spirit of God, so I'm tra- and the Ruach of God, or you could say, and the wind or breath of God was hovering, in my translation, hovering over the waters. And that word hovering can be translated fluttering or brooding, and it's, it's a Hebrew word picture for a mother bird over her young. And so you've got this picture of the Holy Spirit, like a fluttering mother bird over the waters, pregnant with the creation and the ordering and the filling and the beautifying that's about to take place. It's this pregnant moment before God speaks and says, let there be light and let there be this and let there be that. And the Holy Spirit is the one who makes it happen exciting member of the Godhead and uh, a quick quick uh, quiz here <laughs> where else is there water and a bird and a new beginning in the Bible when Jesus is baptized is the classic one isn't it Jesus standing in the water and, and the Holy Spirit comes down in tangible form as, as a dove, and that's, it's the beginning of the new creation. It's, 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 it's like a book ending of Genesis 1 with the coming of Jesus, the really pivotal moment when Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. I could also add, actually, maybe fun to tell you, um, I, I recently discovered this, so I'll throw this in for free, um, <laughs> that with, in the story of Jonah, there was a lot of water, you admit that. Yeah, you're all familiar with the story of Jonah. Um, but um, his name means dove that's neat isn't it 
I don't believe that's a coincidence either. I think that the, the, the Holy Spirit inspired this book. It's a really, really neat book. And, and so he was just, a, there was about to be like a, a new thing happening in Nineveh, this pagan city. And there comes along this man, water and a, and a dove. You know, it's just that picture throughout the Bible. Sorry, I get excited about things like that. Um, going on to Genesis chapter 3. Now, this really is a bookend, and I'm, my talk this morning will end with the other bookend. Okay, so this is the first end of my bookend. And it's Genesis 3, verse 8, and it says, this is after they had sinned, and they were suddenly ashamed and fearful. Um, it says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of Yahweh God as he was walking in the garden. I believe the Old Testament appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament, because there's many of them, actually. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of Yahweh God as he was walking in the garden. And in your Bibles it says probably something like in the evening or in the cool of the day. The Hebrew word is in the ruach of the day. Well, it's great, isn't it? And if I, if I was paraphrasing that, if I was the David King version of the Bible, which would be a disaster incidentally, but it would be he was walking in the garden in the Pentecost of the day. And you've got this picture of the, the, the leaves on all these trees and everything just beginning to sing and do fluttering or whatever leaves do. And the wind of God, whenever the Spirit of God comes, there is Jesus, old or new. And, and just imagine, this is what they lost because after this they were evicted from the garden because of their sin. That, that was when we lost our closeness, our intimacy with God. We lost that fellowship. God became like a third hand, like a, like a legend or something over there, remote, distant, something you could only symbolize. And, and that wind and immediacy of God that they had in the garden. So that's the picture I, I find there in the Ruach of the day. It's powerful, isn't it? Powerful picture. Jumping ahead, we've already referred to it. Noah's... Um, it's another one I could mention about the... Oh, we did mention Noah. Did we mention Noah? Yeah. 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 No, you didn't. No, we didn't. You did. He did. <laughs> so well done. You know, because you know that Noah put his hand out the ark, a lot of water, put his hand out the ark, and, and it was a dove with an olive twig in his mouth. Um, again, it's that picture. The world had been washed clean. It was a new world. It's that same picture, salvation, and uh, baptism and all that. There's a whole lot of stuff in there. But as the flood reached its peak, and the, it's, the ark came to rest on, on Mount Ararat, um, and God was about to begin the world anew, it says in Genesis 8 verse 1, and God made a ruach to pass over the earth. So every time God moves history on, the ruach of God comes the Ruach of God comes. I need the Ruach of God to come in my life again and again. He comes whenever we get stuck. When history gets stuck, He comes. He comes in revival when the church gets stuck. I believe the church is stuck in our part of the world. The church needs a Ruach to come again, to move history forward. Please say Amen. amen. Jumping ahead to the Exodus. I'm just leaping through the Bible and each of these stories involves a lot of water and the wind. You know, water's baptism, the, the wind of God, 
It, it's all the way through. Uh, Exodus 15, it's talking about the Exodus. And, and in very poetic language, we read, By the blast, and in the Hebrews, the ruach of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them, I will divide the spoils, I will gorge myself on them, I will draw my sword, and my hand will destroy them. As the Egyptian armies came towards God's people, as they stood by the Red Sea, I always nearly want to call it the Dead Sea, the Red Sea. And, but it says in verse 10 here, but you blew with your ruach, with your breath, the wind of God came. And the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Right now I'm going to take you on my uh, whistles tops tour. I don't know if I said that right. Uh, to Jesus talking to Nicodemus in, in John chapter 3. Okay, so we, we're getting to the dramatic part of the Bible where Jesus is around and he's talking to Nicodemus and through Nicodemus he's talking to Israel because Nicodemus was a, a Jewish leader and religious teacher and Jesus answered him to a question says very truly I tell you no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born you've got it again of water and the spirit See? It's, not, it's not you know think, what's that all about it just tracks through the Bible Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you, and when he says you, it's a plural word. So he's talking to Israel. You, Israel, must be born again. Israel needs to be born again. He says, the wind blows. There you go. <laughs> the wind, you know, in the Old Testament language, the ruach. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is everyone born of the breath, born of the wind, or born of the spirit, however you want to translate that. See how Jesus is picking up that thread, that, that inspired thread of scripture. Because the new birth is it's a doorway. It's a doorway into a, a, an, an everlasting encounter with God. It's an, a permanent encounter with the living God. And, and the various times in our lives we can experience, or sometimes almost physically experience, the wind and breath of God blowing on our lives. Sometimes we have felt that. I've, I've known that physically in all sorts of different ways. I've known it emotionally. I've known it circumstantially. I've seen the footprints of God in, in my life in remarkable ways and, and so have you the, the wind of God blowing in my life how about after Jesus has died he's paid the price for our salvation he's risen from the dead credible gospel we have and he appears to his terrified disciples because you'd be terrified if someone you knew was dead suddenly appeared in the room with you wouldn't you it's, that's no wonder every time Jesus turned up he said peace because people were probably peeled to the ceiling you know um, John 20 verse 21 again Jesus said peace be with you come down off the ceiling brothers peace be with you as the father has sent me I'm sending you 
You know, what I've been doing, now you're going to be doing. And with that, he breathed on them. You see? He breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. You see, that, that is a, a direct mirror reflection of what happened in Genesis chapter 2. You know, God made Adam out of the ground. And he formed a man, Adam. But he, it says Yahweh breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And when Jesus was doing this, this is Jesus breathing new life into the old Adam to make us a new creation, a new, whole, a new humanity, far more glorious than the previous one. You see how these things all tie together so remarkably? So now we come, um, I'm, I'm coming into land here, this is, this is the other bookend to the one I told you about. You know, where they were in the garden, they'd sinned. They were naked and ashamed. And the, the Ruach of God was blowing, but it was, they were going to be evicted from the garden. This, this is when that is reversed. And this is how I read the day of Pentecost, okay? On the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, if you're taking notes, from verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came... They, as the disciples, were all together in one place. And then suddenly, I, I love a suddenly this morning, but I, I'll have one tomorrow, Lord, if it'll do, but every day, suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. You see, that's not, you know, these things are not there by chance. It, God's saying something in these details. It was the blowing of that ruach again, the ruach of God. Jesus' breath, the wind that came from heaven, and it filled the whole house. I'll make a little quick comment here. When it comes to receiving the Holy Spirit, we usually go into a hushed mode. Have you noticed that? If you say, let's, let's just stand up and receive from God. Usually what believers do, we do this at communion as well for some reason, we go into a holy and hushed. We go like almost a fetal position. But when God comes, it's usually loud. And it usually, the Holy Spirit gets hold of our tongues and we usually make quite a noise with them. <laughs> and the day of Pentecost, and so you've got this violent, noisy wind coming and uh, filled the whole house where they were sitting and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them and all of them were filled, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues so they were suddenly all speaking, 120 or however many there were, 120 people, all speaking the tops of their voices, praising God in languages they'd never learned. Suddenly, supernatural gifts were being bestowed. Languages were being spoken that they hadn't learned. How remarkable is that? How fantastic. So we, this means that we've come home from exile. We are back in the garden, friends. Well, I thought that was good news, but anyway. <laughs> so, through faith in the Anointed One, who bled and died for us, our Lord Jesus, we are restored to the garden paradise of God. We are flooded with the love, the, the forgiveness, and the acceptance, and the power of God. Any of you happy yet? Yes. <laughs> and we gain access to the spiritual gifts and graces that were upon Jesus, well, that still are upon Jesus. And we, we are now his body, this multi-gifted clay pot. <laughs> Not a crack pot, 
We're clay pots. Some of us may be crackpots, but a clay pot, but we have this treasure, this unspeakable treasure within. And that, in, the, in that first bookend, if, if I'd read on, it says God set cherubim to guard it, to keep them out. And there was a flaming sword going to and fro, swishing to and fro to keep them out. This flaming sword in Acts chapter 2 breaks up and separates and comes to rest on each of their head, not to keep them out of the garden, but to say, welcome home. And after the day of Pentecost, and after your Pentecost and my Pentecost, that, that fire becomes a fiery sword in our mouths as we, as we bear the gospel. And, and that, that completes the other end of the story. You know, I love it, don't you? Yes. I just love what God's done. I just love the way he's gone to all the trouble of painting this beautiful picture throughout scripture. So I've finished. Shall I pray? <laughs> My dad, before he was a believer, used to say, yeah, it's possible you make a right mess. You say all this nonsense. Then at the end of you try to rescue it by saying, well, let's pray. <laughs> okay. Let, <laughs> Can I, can I invite you, I'm taking liberty here because I don't know you very well, but I'm, you, you, look friend, you look friendly. Can I invite you to stand and shuffle near each other? Because only if you'd like to, and if you don't, I completely understand. But if you want to shuffle near each other, because I want us to link hands, unless the person next to you doesn't want to. And yes, dogs, dogs can be included. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this wasn't meant to be complicated. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you so much. This, this, is what, this is a wonderful way of everyone receiving the laying on of hands without um, taking a lot of time. And, and also, we are all priests, aren't we? We're, we're a room full of spirit-filled people. And so it's like we're all praying for each other. Okay? And I, I just want to pray a, a simple prayer. And I've stolen this prayer from David Fellingham. Some of you know him. He wrote this song during a move of the spirit back in the whenever it was. And it was my favorite song of that era. You know, what they called the Toronto thingy. Uh, it's called Ruach. Guess why I chose that? <laughs> Ruach. And I'm just going to read this song, but I'm going to read it as a prayer over you. So I invite, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you, as we do this, would you, not just now, but as the day goes on, as the week goes on, as this series goes on in this church, just as Jesus breathed on his disciples, Lord, and he breathed on them, and later on that became a raging wind on the day of Pentecost, would you release something now that would become like a Pentecost for this church, Father. Would you do that? So, Lord, this is my prayer. And I was going to read it as it was. Ruach. Ruach. Holy wind of God, blow on me. Touch the fading embers. Breathe on me. Fan into a flame all that you've placed in me. It's what, it's what Sam led us in earlier, isn't it? Let the fire burn more powerfully. 
Ruach. Ruach. Shola da shabakaba. Ruach. Holy wind of God. Holy wind of God. Breathe on me. 